Hey, Raider Nation, this is Marcus Allison. You're listening to Radio Station 920. Say Raider Nation Radio 920. Raider Nation Radio Station 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Kicking off hour number three of the show here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We're kicking it off with Dr. David Chow, Pro Football Doc on Twitter, at Pro Football Doc. And, Doc, thank you for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. Wanted to talk to you about a few different injuries with a few different players and kind of what the expectations should be. And let's go ahead and start with Odell Beckham Jr. since uh, he's the big name. He's still a free agent out there and tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. It's the second time he's tore that ACL. Uh, What's realistic expectations for him to come back? Yeah, that was too bad. He was, uh, you know, we actually had him uh, at our Sports Injury Central SIC score site as a uh, quiet pick for uh, MVP. He started with an early touchdown, and then obviously in the second quarter, uh, retore his ACL as uh, as we posted in game. Here's the thing: last year he came off an ACL and he wasn't effective the first half of the season. He only became effective as he got to the Rams. And it wasn't just the Rams, Matt Stafford, and Sean McVay that made him effective. It was his knee finally turned the corner. And I'd expect similar timing this time. Uh, he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Second half slash late season, he might become quite a valuable commodity. Do you think that most likely he's a, a guy that will return to L.A. because they know exactly how to use him? And, and like you said, he's not going to be used or not be available till late in the, in the season or late in the postseason. So they, they have those expectations? Well, that's certainly a possibility, right? Because uh, the Rams expect to go far. They're familiar with him in the system. They obviously liked him a lot. So that's not that's, that's certainly on the realm of possibility. But who knows in this crazy game of football what other injuries happen along the way and, and, and who has late needs. Right, no doubt about it. We're talking with Dr. David Chow here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. You know, when we get into the preseason, we don't see a lot of the, the big-time players until the regular season. They, they are very limited if they get any kind of burn at all. How much does that affect these guys to, to you know, to try to stop from preventing, try to prevent injuries? How much does that help them uh, because they, they, they don't get that uh, burn in the preseason? Well, it depends on, on who, right? I mean, there are some veterans that are just come ready to go, and you don't want to put any more miles on them in the preseason, and there are some that like their work. So I don't know if there's a one-size-fit-all answer. It depends on the guy. What about the 18-week season now, and, and now they have 17 games? George Kittle was recently talking about having two buys. Do you think that that would help them? Absolutely. George Kittle is singing my song. I've been saying it for about 10 years. I've written about it seven, eight years ago. I, I said all along that, uh, you know, heck, before they had the 17-game season, even with 16 games, uh, what's wrong with an 18-week season with two bye weeks? A lot of times teams complain about the bye too early or too late. And, uh, look, uh, uh, nowadays, you know, it would allow for more revenue too, right? Because right. not only more revenue, but... You know, an extra Sunday night game, Monday night game, Thursday night game, an extra uh, Sunday slate of games. I mean, there are, there, are, there are so many games that you can't watch them all, uh, you know, in, in Las Vegas time. What is it, uh, the 11 o'clock uh, time zone and the 2 o'clock time zone. There's too many games. You can't watch them all. So I, I think it would be good for health, but I think the NFL is probably waiting until the inevitable 18th game is added, yeah. and then they're going to make it a 20-week season. Man. 18 games. Take away a preseason game, and guess what? End our President's Day weekend with the Super Bowl. 
There you go. There you go. I can see it happening. That I can I can see it happening for sure. Of course, the NFL wants to be uh, the the center of attack uh, attention at all times. Again, we're talking with Dr. David Chow here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. How about uh, Raiders cornerback Trayvon Mullen? He he missed or he only played in five games in 2021 because of a toe injury. Then he recently had a surgery, and we don't know exactly the surgery he had, but I'm assuming it it had to do with that that toe injury. How how bad are those injuries that that keep these guys out for so long? especially a, a toe injury like that? Well, it really depends. There's different types of toe, turf toe injuries. Some that are get that have to have surgery and many that don't. Look, uh, there is, hasn't been a lot of word on him, but if this is related to the turf toe, uh, there are some significant worries. I, I know the reporter Vic Topper said that it was, quote, minor, but minor is surgery on someone else, not you, right? <laughs> right. quarterback that needs to push off and change directions. A turf toe surgery, no matter how minor in what, pain, that's a big deal. The season's right around the corner. Right, right. I agree. I agree. And he's had a history of not being able to stay healthy uh, for the majority of the season a lot of times. So that's obviously something to monitor. And before we let you go, I wanted to ask you, we learned a lot about a strained IT band last season when Darren Waller got it. I was unfamiliar with what that was. How how popular of an injury is that? And, and should Darren Waller be 100% healthy this year? Well, we certainly hope that Darren Waller will be healthy this year. And, and you know, we do a preseason injury preview across the league at uh, SICscore.com. And we do think Waller's going to be healthy. But I'm not so sure an IT band is all that he had. I mean, if it just were an IT band with injection, medication, or otherwise, I think Waller might have been able to play through. I'm certainly not calling it soft. I think it's right. the opposite. I don't know that we know the whole story on him. I think it had to be more than just IT. Okay, that makes that makes sense because it was it, it was a pretty lengthy uh, time that he was away from the game and then came back uh, obviously at the end of the season and then the playoff game for the Raiders. But uh, there you go, right there, Doctor David Chow. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon, my man. We definitely appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, there he goes, Dr. David Chow right there, Pro Football Doc on Twitter, uh, giving us a little bit of insight on, you know, a couple different injuries. And uh, I think that every one of us kind of thought that maybe there was a little bit more going on with uh, Darren Waller last season just because we saw, you know, him. We thought we was only going to miss like a, what, a game, maybe two, and then all of a sudden it turned into three, turned into four. And you're just like, man, is he ever going to come back? And then he came back for the last game of the season and obviously the, uh, the, the playoff game as well against the Cincinnati Bengals. And Trayvon Mullen, that one's interesting. You know, again, and I, I don't want to start any rumors because I don't know, and we don't know exactly what the surgery was, but uh, we do know that the toe affected him all year last year, and he only played in five games, and we know he had a surgery on his foot and it looked like his toe. Uh, and it, uh, just like Dr. said, it, it was, you know, minor. And even Trayvon said, hey, we had successful surgery. Everything is good. You know, so that's cool. But, I mean, that, that could end up being something major when it comes to a cornerback and changing directions and stopping and going and all that stuff that they have to do while they're out there chasing around wide receivers, chasing around running backs. I mean, that's just – it's a possibility. It's a strong possibility, so it's definitely something to pay attention to. And it kind of goes back to the question that I asked about, you know, what, what are your three – three questions that you have around the team. And of course mine was about cornerback as well. And that's part of the reason why, because Trayvon Mullen just has not shown that he can stay healthy. And I like him. I like him as a corner. I think that he's a talented dude, but uh, man, if, if he's not available, he's not available. And that's uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, just got this question from Rob. Sorry, Rob. I just noticed it. Uh, let's see. He did. Well, kind of touched on it anyway. 
Okay, cool. <laughs> Rob, Rob sent us some questions, and I just now noticed it. And I, I tell people hit us up with questions for you know whenever we do an interview. Uh, and then I didn't get to see it, but I will say since uh, I, I asked him about the IT band with Darren Waller, and then talking about practice reps, and that that I should have uh, touched on. But also, Doctor's uh, phone was was messing up a little bit, and so I didn't want to hold him on too long because I just didn't want it to be something where we couldn't hear him that well. And it sounded like he was driving and uh, maybe hitting some rough patches here and there, and that's what happens. I mean, hey, that's that's what happens whenever we're doing interviews on the phone or something. And I don't know how many times someone will be like, "Q, are you there? Q, are you there?" And then my face will hit the will hit the mute button or whatever. And so, yeah, it's just it's never a good idea when you're trying to do an interview and you're uh, you're driving in the car as well. So, hit us up. Let us know what you think. 702-365-9200. Want to hear your thoughts? Uh, how did your father help shape your Raiders fandom? What are the three biggest questions you have about this team? or this coaching staff. Coming up next, we'll get your calls, we'll get your texts, tell you a little bit about Father's Day, and you'll hear from Devontae Adams. He had his camp over the weekend, his youth camp, thought that was really cool. I was not there, but Heidi Fang, who's on the Morning Tailgate, and also the Review Journal, she was in attendance, and she brought back some really good sound. You'll hear it next. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. If somebody gave me $200 million, I'd kill a relative. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Hey. Guy, I'm not sure we can do anything else after that. Hey, I'm serious. Hey, they said uh, <laughs> Phil Mitchell got $200 million and Dustin Johnson got $150 million. Hey, for $150 million, I'd kill a relative, even one I like. <laughs> <laughs> this is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. Charles Barkley right there talking about the Live Tour. They're throwing out all kind of crazy money on that tour, right? It's going up, challenging against the, challenging up against the uh, the PGA right there. So uh, that was on the Pat McAfee show right there. Uh, Charles Barkley talking about it, and obviously he was joking. But I mean, man, everyone's got a price. Everyone's got a, a price. No, it is, it is. So when these guys go to this other league and they're challenging with the PGA, and the PGA is all upset, hey man, money talks, and a lot of these guys don't have. That kind of money. And remember, that money is not for winning tournaments. That money is to show up to tournaments. Everything you win is gravy. So I don't blame some of these guys for going. I know some of the money is uh, not really good money. It's really basically blood money where it's coming from. I mean, you got to go and do the, do the research yourself. But again, everyone's got a price. Everyone's got a price. So a lot of those guys are exercising their right to go to the live tour. Coming up at 4.30, uh, Mo DeKeel from thejumpball.net the uh, also does a, a basketball podcast on The Athletic, The Athletic NBA, as a matter of fact. Uh, he's going to join us to talk all things NBA storylines, put a wrap and a bow onto the NBA Finals. The Warriors, they had their parade today. We'll talk about that. Clay Thompson apparently is on one. He lost his, uh, his championship hat in the Bay when he was boating to the parade. He uh, knocked a young lady over as he was running across the street. He did a Michael Jackson thriller dance in the middle of Market Street, and he dropped one of his other championship rings on the street and had to get down on his hands and knees and find it. So Clay Thompson is living his best life today, uh, you know, just enjoying his parade, and many of the players are doing that. We threw out a couple questions there, and, of course, we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. How did your father help shape your Raiders fandom? And then what are your three biggest questions you have about this team or this coaching staff, 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Let's talk to our guy, Gangster Raider. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. 
They was having it. Hey, it wasn't my, really my pops that shaped my um, Raider family. It was my uncle, my uncle okay. Bush. Because okay. he was the one I watched my first Raider game with. And he was the one that um, actually went to the Super Bowl when they moved to L.A. We won the one down here in, in 83. And he got me the championship shirt that I love so much. The one with the silver and black and said Los Angeles um, World Champs, Los Angeles Raider World Champions. Oh, I wore that one too. He got too raggedy for me to wear. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And also, my, the things that concern me, the three things. The first one is um, the backup quarterback because I believe the backup quarterback going to be important because um, I don't think Carl going to get hurt or nothing, but I think we're going to be up so large in some of these games, especially if we score in 38. Like, say we up 38-10 on some games, I think we should pull Carr early. You know what I'm saying? If we can just let him sit out the whole fourth quarter. And the backup quarterback going to need to be able to sustain the lead. You know what I'm saying? And the second thing that I'm worried about is the special teams coaches. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because we had good special team coaches and we had good special team players. As a matter of fact, special teams was our strongest unit last year, if you ask me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I'm worried about the um, I'm worried about the um, special team coaches, and I'm worried about our linebacker core to depth. Because to me, the linebackers are the running backs of the defense, and they take a lot of um, abuse of physicality, just like the running backs. And just like we got a stable of running backs, I think we're going to need a just as uh, equal stable as linebackers. And also, I wanted to speak on what JT was talking about, like the most important game yeah. of the season to me is the very first game. Because I think if we come out and smack the Chargers in the mouth, they got the um the Chiefs on the show the next game on a short week they got on that Thursday night and that they start off 0 and 2 and we start off 2 and 0 because we got um Arizona at home I think we should be able to beat them you know what I'm saying we'll be 2 and 0 with um undefeated in division and if they lose to Kansas City they'll be 0 and 2 or even if they do um beat Kansas City they'll be 1 and 1 and they'll both have a loss in the division and we'll be undefeated and I think that's Got to keep us ahead of the division. You know what I'm saying? And have a mental challenge. I mean, have a mental thing over there because we already beat them to go to the playoffs last year. Then they caught themselves stocking up to beat us, and we come in the first game and smack them across their mouth when we'd be first place in the division. That'd be have a big mental edge over the other teams. You know what I'm saying? That's all I want to say, y'all. Happy belated Father's Day. Happy belated Juneteenth. I'm gone. Keep it gangster. I'm out. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Happy Father's Day to you as well. And uh, like the story about your uncle. That's really cool. And you know those questions that. You you threw out there are, are very valid you know the backup quarterback question is very valid and right now the Raiders have different options at that backup quarterback I think that that low-key is going to be a really good camp battle I mean I really do think it is and, and a lot of times people don't think about the backup quarterback position but for multiple reasons it is something to pay attention to I mean for the last couple seasons the Raiders have had Marcus Mariota you know that he was a former starter in the league so you feel pretty good about Okay, if Carr were to go down, if something were to happen, you feel like Marcus Mariota could come in the game and hold it down. And I know that the one game that he had to hold it down was that Charger game that they lost, but he played decent in. There was a couple of mistakes that he made, but he played decent in that game. So now the question is, all right, is it Nick Mullins? Is it, is it, uh, um, geez, now I forgot his name and I know him. <laughs> Uh, uh, they just traded for him with the Patriots. Uh, Jarrett Stidham, jeez. Jarrett Stidham, and then, uh, you know, Chase Garbers from uh, from Cal was the guy that they they went and, uh, you know, signed as an undrafted free agent. So who's going to who's gonna win that job? How many quarterbacks are they going to carry? You know, I mean, think about that. How many quarterbacks are they going to carry? Most teams carry two. You know, sometimes teams carry three. The Raiders will carry three. They had they had Carr, they had, uh, they had Mariota, and then they also had... Um, 
What's his face? <laughs> uh, Peterman. <laughs> Jeez, man, these. Hey, look, backup quarterbacks. They don't. They're not. They don't There's leave a, a reason. They don't not, leave yeah. a lasting impression. <laughs> Let's just. The, the lesson we've learned today: backup quarterbacks don't leave a lasting impression. Jeez, man, I'm glad I didn't have a, a, a test on who the, all the the backup quarterbacks are. Somewhere there's a hungry backup listening to this. I know. They're I'm like, gonna get that guy. I'm going to. He's going to know who I am. Well, it's it's funny because that's how I got my very first job when I got a job at the grocery store. That's how I got my job is the, the guy who hired me was like, if I can remember your name, I'll hire you. So I went in like every day and bugged the hell out of him to the day where he was like, hey. And he said my name. And I go, hey, does that mean I get a job? And he's like, oh, that's what I told you, huh? I was like, yeah. So he hired me. <laughs> that's how I got the job. But. I guess maybe that's how maybe that's how the backup quarterback's gonna get it. You know, once everyone remembers who it is. But no, I mean Nick Mullins has been there, done that. He's been a, a guy that's got starts in the league before. He's played. He's he's. I think he's decent, and I think Jarrett Stidham could be decent, but he hasn't really had the opportunity to do it because he's been injured. So you can't be a backup quarterback and then not available. I mean, those those are two double negatives right there, right? You can't be a backup and not available. That's just not gonna work. You know, there is just there's no way that that's gonna happen. And look, that happened quite a bit with Marcus Mariota. How often was he not available, you know? And then even when they were talking about putting in the, the Mariota package, they weren't using it because the one time that he'd run, have one big run, I think it was what, the first game of the season against the, the Ravens, then all of a sudden he was out. You know, and I saw as soon as he, as soon as he got tackled, and as soon as he got up, you could tell that, oh, this dude's banged up. This dude don't, he, he, he don't have it. And something's, something's going wrong with him, you know? And so he, he just, he wasn't, he wasn't healthy when they signed him, but that, everyone knew that. I remember John Gruden saying that, hey, the first thing he's got to do is get healthy, and then we can go and put him out there and see what he's got. So, you know, we, we, we'll see. We'll see exactly how that goes. But I think that's a really good question. That'll be a good training camp battle. Who's going to get that backup quarterback position? Then Gangster Raider mentioned the special teams unit. And that is definitely another good question. I mean, my man's been doing his homework. He's been doing his research. That is a really good question only because I'm interested to see if anything changes or what changes with the special teams. I want to see if there's, if there's going to be changes to the way that, that they expect, you know, A.J. Cole to punt. Is there anything that's going to change with the process that they go through as they set up? You know I mean? And, and from what we were able to see when we were out there, everything looked good. No, but I mean, and, and it's funny because the special teams unit was actually right in front of us. That was the one field that was right in front of us. So we saw a lot of AJ Cole. We saw a lot of Daniel Carlson. We saw a lot of Trent C, but we didn't see them, you know, in, in, in game action. And we didn't, we didn't see exactly how the instructions were going down. We just saw them kicking. I'm interested to see if, if coach McMahon changes anything from the, their approach, because as gangster Raider said, I mean, that, that special teams unit was one of the strongest special team units in the league. I don't think they can afford to take a step back. And from everything we know, and I don't know this to, you know, because I was witnessing it, everything we know, there wasn't a lot of great reviews when it came to Denver special teams unit or Green Bay's. I don't think it's, you know, a coincidence that the Green Bay special teams coach now is Rich Passaccia. They needed an upgrade. I don't think it was a coincidence that when Denver got rid of their special teams coach and the Raiders hired him, everyone in Denver clapped. They weren't thrilled. They weren't, they weren't, you know, thrilled by what they saw from those special teams units. So those are two really good questions. And, I mean, like I said before, talking about the offensive line is easy because that's definitely going to be, you know, that's going to be a, a question that's going to be asked until, until we have an answer. And we probably honestly won't have a real answer until right before the regular season. I mean, you'll only see a little bit of them in preseason. You're not going to see them out there full throttle 
in training camp, they're not out there going up against somebody, you know, like full throttle. They'll have they'll have guys there, but they're not, you know, they're not rushing the quarterback. They're not real deal pass blocking or, or run blocking. They're not doing that. So literally, we won't really know anything until it gets close to the beginning of the season. But that's going to be one of the biggest stories that we talk about throughout the course of training camp is that offensive line. How does that thing come together? How does, you know, who's going to be the starting five? But those questions that Gangster Raider asked, backup quarterback and special teams, really, really good questions. Thank you for that call, my man. I do appreciate you. 702-365-9200, Sam and Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. How did your father help shape your Raiders fandom or did he? And then what are the three biggest questions you have about this team or this coaching staff? Hit us up on the text line again, 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up next, Mo DeKeel from thejumpball.net. He'll join us to talk all things NBA. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. There is no way in hell that this man deserves a four-year max deal on top of the $36 million plus he's scheduled to earn this season. Not without an option after every year to show that you're going to show up to work. Oh, no way in hell. This brother is in la-la land, and I ain't talking L.A. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. And maybe he will be in L.A. That was Stephen A. Smith right there talking about Kyrie Irving from First Take, talking about the impasse that uh, the Nets and Kyrie Irving are having currently right now. And to help us break down all things NBA, we welcome in Mo DeKeel from thejumpball.net, does a podcast at The Athletic NBA. And Mo, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And we'll go ahead and start there. I do want to talk a little NBA Finals with you, but let's go ahead and start with Kyrie. That was the big news of the day today. Sounds like him and the Nets are having a little bit of an issue, a little bit of a a, a squabble, probably about money, whatever the situation is. Uh, what what do you think is going to happen when it comes to Kyrie Irving? Do you think he's going to end up playing in Brooklyn in 2022? I actually think he's going to end up playing elsewhere. I don't know where yet, obviously, but I think there's an element of frustration if you're the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, you think about it this way. They went into the season thinking, okay, and this is before the vaccine mandate. We have Kyrie, KD, and James Harden. And then all of a sudden, you know, the vaccine mandate hits. Kyrie refuses to get vaccination. So then they just have KD and Harden. They're like, okay, we can figure this out. And then KD gets hurt, and then it's just Harden, and now he's frustrated. And, and and Kyrie comes back just for road games and things like that. And then Harden, out of his frustration, demands a trade and pushes to go to Philly. I think for when, when you're looking at it, when you're Brooklyn in the front office, a lot of this stems from Kyrie, you know, and, and his stance in the vaccination. Now, right or wrong or whatever, that's where it came from. And I feel like they got a – there's an element of we had a chance at a championship this year, and you kind of threw it away. We're, we're a bit frustrated, and I feel like there's an element of how much can we trust you to be there on a regular basis? Right. I think that's the million-dollar question, and that's a, a great reason why he most likely won't be playing in Brooklyn next year, as you alluded to. So who comes in? Who do, who do the Brooklyn Nets go out and, and team up with KD? Is it possible? You see Russell Westbrook there, uh, his old teammate from OKC. You see him running with, uh, with KD again. See, I don't see that happening just because I think the ultimate thing is that would really make it difficult with him and Ben Simmons. Because yeah. I think the Ben Simmons part of the equation is a little bit different. Now, maybe this becomes a three-team trade if they find if, if Kyrie wants to go back to L.A. and team up with LeBron, who obviously he left LeBron to go to Boston, right? Like right. He, spurned, he burned LeBron once already, but, you know, 
missing the playoffs probably makes you want to get, we, we can fix that bridge. Um, mm-hmm. type of stuff. But I think maybe this becomes a larger trade in that area and, and, and Russ gets spun off elsewhere because I just don't think you could have a team with KD, Russ, uh, Russ and Ben Simmons. Like right. now you're in a, a uh, a really challenging situation. I just don't see that happening and that being a good fit for Brooklyn. And I think so that will be, that will be a, a very interesting wrinkle for us. But you know, there's never a dull moment in the NBA. We have a championship parade and all we're talking about is Kyrie. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, there's so many different storylines that are going on in the NBA. It is intriguing, you know, and, and again, uh, definitely going to get to the finals and the Warriors having their parade today. But uh, how about what we found out over the weekend about Kenny Atkinson not taking the job in Charlotte? Uh, I've been saying for a long time that Michael Jordan is not the easiest guy to coach for. At least that's what it seems like. What are your thoughts on, on, on Kenny Atkinson deciding, yeah, thanks, but no thanks? I think it's actually pretty smart on Kenny Atkinson's part. I think when you look at Charlotte, they have to have unrealistic expectations. When you consider that under three, for the past three years under James Borrego, they were trending upwards. Now, granted, both times they got smacked in the playing tournament, but they've won, they've won more games each year than the previous year. Like that's an upward trajectory, and for the organization to kind of change their change the tune and say that's not enough. And then to get rid of Borrego, I think, kind of makes it a, a tough environment. And I think ultimately Mike Brown moving on to Sacramento allowed Golden State to kind of look at Kennedy going like, hey, you're going to be in the next seat over. We're going to be able to that's, – that's a big pay bump. It's a lot of opportunities. And we're going to bet that there's going to be a whole lot more jobs next year. Maybe you don't have to take this job. And I think that, that might have swayed him. And also don't – be shocked if this decision came during the championship party and, you know, a little drink, a little, they got them at the right time. And right. he just said, yeah, okay, I'm in. <laughs> I've made some of those decisions before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> we all have. Right. No doubt about it. We're talking with Mo DeKeel here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. How about uh, other other job situations? We see Coach Ham's taking over in L.A. with the Lakers. What does he have to do there? How does he get that team back to where they expect to be? The first place he has to start is he has to get buy-in from LeBron James. Now, LeBron has signed off publicly, but he has to get buy-in on him, and he has to get them back to being a defensive team. This team won a championship, not this team, but this organization won it on the backs of defense a couple years ago. It wasn't their offense. It was how good they were defensively. He has to get them back to that level first, and from there he can build. But it all starts with getting LeBron James to buy-in and get him defending from day one. And it's not something that uh, Coach Ham can kind of take a, a, a light touch to. He needs to be just as hard on LeBron as he would be Austin Reeves and so on. I think that's an important thing. But he has to get the buy-in from LeBron James and then Anthony Davis after that. Now, I wanted to ask you about the NBA Finals and the teams that we just saw competing in the Finals. And let's start with the Boston Celtics. Obviously, they come up a little bit short, but, uh, man, they had a tough road to get to the Finals, and they were able to overcome every challenge that was put in front of them except for the Golden State Warriors. How bright is their future, and what do they need? What, is, what, what do they need to add to their roster to make them a, a better team? So their future is bright when you just look at the fact that Jason Tatum's 24. Like, I know people are really upset with how the Finals went for him and how well he didn't play. You know, when I was 24, I would have never been ready for any sort of limelight like this. Um, I think the uh, it, he's going to grow and be much better. I think him and Jalen Brown are going to even get better as players. I think the areas they got to improve on as a team, I think they need another ball handler to go with Marcus Smart. I don't think Marcus Smart's 
the best option as a primary guy. But if you have two good ones, I think you'll be able to survive. And then they got to get more more uh, depth on the bench. But you know those guys disappeared on them. Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, and Derek White all disappeared throughout the, the finals. They need to find at least another wing player to kind of buy a little more time and rest for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They need to find somebody that can just sort of start to get ready to replace Al Horford because he's not going to get any younger. And I right. think he gave all he had this season. So I, I, I won't be surprised if we start to see some deterioration in Al's game next year. And so they just got to start building up depth and start figuring out how to replace some of these other pieces. What did you think about the Warriors? Uh, what do you think about this championship? I'm a Warrior fan. I, I like to put that out there and let it be known. I didn't expect them to be in the finals this year. I thought it was going to be Phoenix and Milwaukee, and oh, boy, how I was wrong. But uh, how unexpected was this championship for the Warriors, in your opinion? It was unexpected. I didn't think they were going to get there. You know, start of the playoffs, I was with you. I thought this was, that was exactly the finals I had. Then Chris Middleton gets hurt, knocks, right. down, knocks Milwaukee out. And then, you know, the disaster that happens in Phoenix, you know, knocks them out, and they don't even get to the conference finals. I think the uh, – it, it wasn't that the Warriors weren't capable. I still wasn't sure of the supporting cast, but all those guys delivered. You know, Peyton comes back from injury. Uh, Wiggins, I mean, was just absolutely phenomenal and it, it, it throughout the entire playoffs and especially the finals. He was the second-best Warrior in the finals. And then Kevon Looney has stepped up in another – taken another notch and stepped forward. I feel like, you know – all those guys delivered in a way that I probably wasn't expecting to. So I am definitely surprised, but I'm very happy for him. It's an exciting time. Yeah. No, it is. It really is. Saw all the uh, all the scenes and all the pictures and videos from the parade. It looks like every one of the Warriors had a great time, especially Clay Thompson. He looked like he was on a whole nother level. But uh, I saw one of your tweets, uh, one more thing, and it was the brilliance of Draymond Green, and I thought it was fantastic. Uh, just talk to us about how great Draymond Green really was. Even though the numbers might not have said he was fantastic, he played a hell of a series. Well, if you watched the video, you knew it was one thing. It was all defense. Yep. He, wasn't, right. he wasn't that great on the offensive end besides some passing and stuff. But I think what he does defensively is, and I, I like to kind of almost look at it as a doctor, he's able to diagnose and prescribe a solution to a problem almost immediately, and he reacts quickly. And a lot of times, there are times he's making the rotation and yelling for somebody to make the next rotation. Like, he's already on top of that stuff. And I think the, the moves he was making, you know, the first – clip of the, the the video, he gets beat baseline, and Kevon Looney steps up to help him and takes Jason Tatum, and Draymond sees it, and he immediately is on to the next situation and, and, and comes up with a steal. I think those are the stuff you get from Draymond. You know, his defensive IQ is like a superhero power. You know, it, it's on a level I don't think we've ever really seen from a player, and that's saying something because there have been some several amazing defensive players in the NBA but with his limited athleticism, especially with him getting older, his IQ takes him so much further, and he's always a step or two ahead of even the offense. Right. You know, he is. He's, he's a great player, and I always call him the engine to the Warriors. And even though he's not putting up crazy points, he's so involved in everything that the Warriors do in their success. I mean, he's just he's essential uh, to the success of that team. Final question for you, Mo, and this has been fantastic. There's always these conversations about who's in your top ten, who's on your Mount Rushmore. I'm not a list guy. I'm not a Mount Rushmore guy because I always feel like I'm slighting somebody. But – I do understand the, the value of what Steph Curry has been able to do in the course of his career. Four championships now, a couple of league MVPs as far as regular season, finals MVP. Now he's got that, so people can't talk about that anymore. 
Where do you have Steph Curry? What 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 has he done? What is his body of work in his career? Where where do you place him now? I mean, I have him in the top ten, but I had him in the top ten even before this final. Agreed. I think just the way he's changed the game is something else. I think the the he doesn't get enough credit for how he's improved as a defender. Now he's not like a good defender, but he's not as bad a defender as we've seen. You know, and I think he's really kind of improved on that stuff. Obviously, his shooting's just greatest shooter we've ever had in this game. I don't think you can argue that by any metric. Um, I think ultimately, you know, he's he's got to be in the top ten. And if after this finals you don't have him in your top ten, I'm sorry. You're just a hater. That's all I got. You're <laughs> just a up. hater. There's nothing left. <laughs> Straight just up. Say you don't like the dude and let's move on. Just it, say you don't like him. I'm okay with that. Yes. If you, if you say, hey, Mo, I just don't like him. Right. I get it. Yep. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> hey, you know, you're preaching to the choir. I've been saying the same thing for the longest, man. If you keep changing the, the, the goalpost, then you just don't like them. I mean, just bottom line. So, yeah, I'm well, with you 100%. That was my problem. That was my problem with the finals MVP. Remember, it was all rings culture a yep. few years ago. Yep. And all of a sudden we created rings culture for finals MVP culture. Like, are we, are we sure we want to do this? <laughs> Right, right. And now, and I heard today earlier on one of the shows with the Talking Heads, and I don't remember what show it was, but they were saying, well, KD's not going to be legit until he wins his own championships on his own team. And I was like, wait, just a couple weeks ago, you were talking about he was the the bus driver on the Warriors. And so now Steph had to step up. (laughs) Right. Steph Steph couldn't win a championship without KD, even though he won one before. But, but, you know, Steph needed him for those two. It's like, all right, guys, you got to make up your mind. Just be consistent. If you're going to hate, just please be consistent. That's all I need in my haterism world there. Just just be consistent with your hate and don't flip the narrative when, hey, you're wrong. You got caught. Right. But that's not the, the nature of the, the, the game when you're, when you're doing all this stuff. You know, the funny thing, you'll enjoy this. I kept just telling people, I go like, Steph's the greatest, man. He's the only one to have ever won the Magic Johnson uh, Western Conference Finals MVP. This, nobody's ever done that. True. That's the greatest. That's there you it. go. There you go. I love it. I love it. Well, Mo, fantastic stuff, man. Thank you so much. Do you have anything coming out that we need to be on the lookout for? No, just just follow me on Twitter, M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA. Uh, the season's winding down. I'm exhausted. Uh, <laughs> I, I <laughs> Get ready for the draft. I'm sure I'll have some content there and then and then uh, we'll, we'll get to relax a little bit there you go well you've earned it man you do a fantastic job thanks so much for your time this afternoon oh thank you for having me all right brother there he goes mo to kill the jumpball.net podcast on the athletic does all kind of fantastic work again follow him on twitter uh he had a great breakdown of uh uh draymond green talking about one mo thing it was really really good stuff so many thanks to mo definitely appreciate him giving us a little bit of a a bow on nba and we might talk a little nba once the draft hits you know might have some thoughts on the draft but until then it's done deal Done deal, Dada. It's a wrap. It's a lot of baseball conversation, a lot of football conversation, headed to training camp in about a month. So uh, we're going to keep the party rolling. That's what we do around here. 444 is the time. We'll come back, close out the show. Saw some text messages on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Just when Wendy chimed in and others. You'll get to that as we close out the show here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Checking out the Sam and Ash text line right now at 69187, keyword R&R here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. I uh, got a text from at uh, Raider Love Miss in Oakland. My dad bought season tickets for the family back in the 1960s. I did not appreciate the outing at the time. 
We were at the Heidi game. Now he is 91 and I am 66 at Raider Love Miss in Oakland. I believe that's what it says. Good stuff. I like that. That's funny. And we're talking about, you know, how your dad helped shape your Raider fandom. It's funny, man. You don't really appreciate a lot of things. I'm not saying you, but just in, in general, we as people don't, uh, you know, appreciate things that may look like as, you know, not a big deal at the time. And then when you look back later, you're like, oh, man, that was a big deal. That was really cool. So uh, thank you so much for that that text. That's really cool uh, to know that he had the season tickets way back in the 1960s. I uh, got this text from Just Win Wendy. Uh, hey, Q, love the football dad's talk. I've told the story often that my dad had season tickets in Oakland the first year they were in the Coliseum, 30-yard line, 18 rows up. As a young girl, I didn't get to go to every game, but a lot of them over the years. I learned all about the player positions and skills from my dad, watching LaMonica and Stabler. Also remember having to run to get to get the San Francisco Chronicle off the driveway Monday morning so dad and I could read about the games that happened on Sunday, all the stats, et cetera, if we didn't get to see the away game on TV. Miss my dad every Sunday. Just win, Wendy. Fantastic. What a great text right there. What a great breakdown. And I could just, I could picture her right now. One, it's easy to picture because I, I know her. I know Just Win Wendy, but it's, I could just picture her running outside, grabbing the newspaper, bringing it back in. And as a guy that was a proud newspaper delivery guy at one point, I think I've done just about everything. But I, was, I delivered papers at one point, and you had to throw the paper at the right spot. Some people are like, oh, put it on my porch. I always hated those people. I could never do that put, job. Put the, uh, put the paper on the porch. It's like, really? You just can't go out to the driveway? You just can't go to the driveway? Oh, I need the paper on the porch. Oh, uh, d- uh, bag it. Why I got to bag it on a day that it's not it's not raining? Why I got to do all that? I had to take it another step step further. I actually had to throw newspapers um an apartment complex. So I would get out of the car and I had my little I had the little bag and I'd have it over my chest and everything. I'd be walking around and and some of them were like three floors up. So I had to I'd run up to about the first floor and find a good angle that I can <laughs> throw it to get it to their porch and then you know, you'd hear Boom. You know, it's like two in the morning. Thump. <laughs> paper's here. <It's> there. <laughs> get your ass up and get your paper. <laughs> and of course, at that age, I had the 12 inch woofers in the trunk. So I'm driving, trying to stay awake. So you hear boom, oh, boom, man. boom. Oh, the paper man's here. <laughs> oh, yeah. We I think I got a couple complaints during that job. That wasn't my finest work I ever did. I'm one of the complaints. I'm, hey, look, man, you got to do something to stay awake. I did that when I delivered FedEx, too. I was one of the only guys at the time that had a, a radio in the truck. And so I, ha- I I was going through some things at this time. Remember when Kanye had 808 and Heartbreaks out? Yes. I wore that CD out, dog. I played that thing every day. Big deal. And, I, yeah, I was going through some things. I, like, if I say I was going through some things, I mean, like, I was going through some things. Like, Kanye's going through some things. I was going through some stuff. I thought that that was the most therapeutic CD ever. So I'm playing it. I'm driving. And I'm singing that damn thing as loud as possible. And everyone's like, FedEx is coming. Here comes FedEx. comes this guy. Yeah. You know, one time, and I can say this now because I don't work for FedEx anymore, I used to park my truck, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn it off, right? Because it's just faster just to, you know, park, pull the e-brake, jump out, whatever. I know where this is going. I did that in one place in Tulare. Shout out to Tulare, California. I did that. I pulled in their driveway, and I went in, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I didn't hear my stereo anymore. <laughs> and I was like, did the song just end? And then the lady that I was giving it to was like, I think your truck just rolled into the street. And I was like, no. And I looked back. I was like, oh, my God, my truck's gone. And I went out there, and my truck was sitting in the middle of the street. It was right there on Tulare Boulevard. It was Whoa. sitting in the middle of the street, 
and it didn't hit anybody. This is like a busy street. Yes. I'm thinking side, yes. little side yeah. street. Yeah, it's like Flamingo. Whoa. <laughs> it's like Flamingo. It rolled backwards and stopped in the middle of the street and just stopped. And it didn't hit anything or anyone. Man, you're lucky. Dog. <laughs> I'm looking at that damn truck and the people are like, wow. How did how did you survive that job? Like, how did you not? That was you were fired after that. That was about to hit something, and it would have been a wrap. Like, I could read that in the paper, you know. We've had a couple close calls with the uh, station vehicles back in the day. I'll leave it at that. You did, or I did? Not me personally, oh, okay. but a lot of great stories, kind of similar to that, but with much worse endings. <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you, brother. <laughs> that's you're lucky. I'll yeah, yeah, man. That was that was a scary one, but it was so funny because the music was playing. And then all of a sudden I didn't hear it. Well, because the truck was rolling backwards. So, uh, yeah, that was let, – let's just put it like that. That was the very last time that in that parking lot I didn't turn you the truck learned. off. I Yeah. <laughs> Other places I just kept it going and, you know, I didn't realize it, it had a slight hill. I mean, it didn't. It's just, it's just like one of those driveways where it just – it doesn't look like it's slanted at all, but I guess it was a little bit and it just <laughs> – it rolled. Scared the mess out of me, man. My heart was like outside just of my you chest. Running through the street. Oh, dog. <laughs> yeah. And people are looking like, what just happened? I don't, I honestly, to this day, I don't know how it didn't hit something. It was a busy, busy road and it was around this time of day. Didn't Tyler Bischoff have something like that with his car went? Oh, yeah. The- Tyler Bischoff, his car drove into <laughs> his house. Own, just- yeah. He was, he got out of the car. He, he was driving a Tesla, right? I'm putting all his business history. Anyway, uh, no, no, I don't think so. I think he has a Tesla. I think it was a Tesla because he put the video on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. I think it was a Tesla. Anyway, we'll find out. Because those cars drive on their own sometimes, don't they? <laughs> sure. I. That's that's what I hear. That's what it was. I don't maybe. know how to drive a Tesla, but that's what I hear. <laughs> but yeah, he had got out of his car and started to walk around like he was going to unload groceries or unload something, and then all of a sudden the car just took off, and he tried to run and grab it and and hold it with. And obviously, you're not going to hold the the car. And so it ended up being, uh, yeah, I guess he had some damage to his, his garage or whatever. So that had to get taken care of. But sometimes awesome. cars, they have a mind of their own. Damn oh, cars. Yeah. The Just newer say. ones. Oh, man. Well, my truck wasn't new. But that dang thing rolled on me. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I had a couple I had a couple bad moments as a FedEx guy. I'll just tell you. Really? I ripped the bumper <laughs> off of one person, their truck in a, uh, in a, in a, um, in a trailer park. Because you never drive into the trailer park. You just always just kind of just stop the truck outside and then walk it in. But I was running late because shocking. I was at my guy. Um, who is it? My guy, Laws or whatever. I think his name was Laws. Anyway, he's a cool dude. He's a Raider fan. So we were talking Raiders at the Tulare School District. <laughs> and uh, so I always stopped there and I talked and my boss would drive by and always see me just yapping away. Or imagine that, right? I was talking. So we'd always be talking, talking uh, Raiders. And so I looked up at the clock and I was like, oh, man, I'm running late. So I tried to hurry up and I drove. And I was like, man, I, I don't really want to drive into this trailer park because I know that the cars, it's really close. It's really tight quarters, and my truck was huge. So I was like, ah, I could do it real quick. So I drove in, backed up. I backed up too far, and the the back, my bumper, ended up underneath the bumper of a truck. <sighs> and so when I drove off, all I heard was, crack, crack, crack. And I was like, oh, damn, what was that? I looked back, and I got a bumper attached to my bumper. I was like, oh, man. So anyway, I had to go leave a note on there and... They took care of it. I was gonna say, are you going to tell us what you did? Oh from yeah, there? I mean you can't you can't no, you can't it. run away. You're no, in a big old can't. truck that says, Hey, I did it. 
You know what I mean? Like, but, but I will say from driving with trucks with, you know, a logo on it, some people will see an opportunity that's oh, not yeah. there. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. That's something that we had to be aware of, too. If you got a logo on it, you could absolutely get got. So uh, there it is. Well, uh, that's my FedEx story. Never got to hear from Devontae Adams, but uh, we'll maybe get that on tomorrow's show. I know we'll have John McClain from the Houston Chronicle for sure. We'll try to get Paloma Villacana, talk some aces as they got another victory. We'll have a lot. Make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate. I know Vinny's got a lot to say about Ndamukong Sue. I know they'll have a lot to say about uh, Eric Eager and what he was talking about with the offensive play callers and a whole lot more. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.